Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm your co-host, Davey, aka Davey on the Run. Through our shared knowledge and experience, we unpack the fascinating topic of running. We speak to coaches, athletes, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to help you improve your running. And ensure that you enjoy every step of the way, wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. Nicola! Davey, my boy. Are you excited? I'm excited because today is episode one of our Total Sports Two Oceans Marathon Special Series. Guys, we are here. The intro is out of the way. We can get straight into it and start getting into some really, really insightful and exciting information. And um, on episode one, we have none other than... Race manager Hilton Kearns. And guys, you'll hear that this uh, will sound a little bit different to any other Making a Runner episode. But that's because the Making a Runner jet ran out of fuel. (laughs) And we couldn't fetch Hilton and bring him all the way here to Durban. But we had a solution. It was our first video call. First ever, guys. So work with us here. It is going to improve over time. But I think uh, it's, it's a fantastic conversation worth hanging around for. And... The reasons why. Why is it a fantastic conversation, Davey? Well, Two Oceans, as we all know, is an amazing event. I love it. We know you love it. If you're listening to this, you got to love it or you will end up loving it. But Two Oceans Marathon has recently been awarded the gold standard IAU. And this is a big deal for all South African runners because this means that it's going to bring fantastic tourism to our country. It's the gold standard, which means... It's as it, good as it gets. It's as good as it gets. World standards, it's elite level. And it only makes sense for Africa's biggest running event to have a status like that. It's not only Africa's biggest running event. It's the world's most beautiful race, guys. So we're excited. I hope you guys are excited. Listen up to what Hilton has to say. Try and get an understanding and appreciation for what it actually takes to pull off an amazing event like this. And, um, and when you show up on race day, you'll just you'll have a little bit more of an insight into the behind the scenes. Yeah, because there's so much behind the scenes. There's but so much. Hilton does a fantastic job in this conversation to just briefly chat to us through all the administrative work, which basically starts when the race ends the yeah. previous year. So guys, listen up, sit back, enjoy the show with Hilton Kearns. Hilton, thank you so much for taking the time to to spend this afternoon with Davey and I. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So we'll we'll get straight to it. You are the race organizer of the Total Sports Two Oceans Ultra Marathon and Marathon. Is that so? Yeah. Um. Well, the title that they've given me is I'm the race manager. So um, yes, I think uh, everything basically stops with me and uh, need to organize thing and put it together. A very so important uh, job. Is, yeah, effectively, it's the, like, like you said, it's the ultra marathon, which is a 56 kilometer event, and then there's a, a half marathon um, component as well. And uh, how long have you been the race, the race manager? Um, okay, I, I've, been the, I've just recently um, taken on the race manager um, portfolio. For the past three years, or the previous three years, um, I've, I've served on the, the, the board of the Two Oceans. Two Oceans is a, is a non-profit company, so that the, the NPC um, is registered as, as such. And I served as a director on the board for, for three years. And when our, the, the previous race director um, moved on or resigned and took on another position, I was asked if I would take over the reins for, for, for an interim period. 
Brilliant. What what an honor. And I, I'm sure it's been quite a quite a challenge, full of work. But I mean, from what we've seen, it's um, the race has just been growing from strength to strength. Were you uh, already involved, obviously, through the years of COVID and all of that? Um, yeah, I started my, my involvement in that organizational level in to, to, in, in the latter part of, of COVID. Okay. Um, yeah, um, and pre that, uh, I used to run. I used to run, you know, as in run on the road um, <laughs> the event. And since then, obviously, I've been in the organization and I joined during those that, that COVID time when things were a bit difficult, trying to organize an event. And obviously, the, the 2022 event was extremely challenging, um, trying to pull it off with COVID and it's constantly changing um, statuses. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, why don't we get to the a little bit of the history of the Two Oceans Marathon? I mean, what what makes it such a such a brilliant, world-renowned race? Well, it's been it's been around for a very long time. I mean, the, the first the first event was run way back in 1970, and back then um, it was started primarily as a, as a training run for the for the other big ultra marathon in South Africa that being Comrades. And and you had, but um, I think in, in 1970 we had 26 runners um, that ran that ran the event, and as the years went by, the race the race just grew. I think you know it's it's one of those events. And it's an, it's an extremely scenic event. Yes. You're running through, um, you, you, as the name states, there are two oceans that get seen. There's um, there are a couple of mountains that you that you have to climb. Um, but while climbing, for example, going over Chapman's Peak, that view was stunning. You know, so you for, for a while there you forget that you're actually climbing the mountain. Um, and I think that is the, the appeal that has just grown over the years and, and turned the race into. With 26 runners back in 1970, um, and potentially now in 20, 2023, having 16,000 runners in the, in the half marathon and 13,000 runners in the ultra. Yeah, well, it is referred to as Africa's largest uh, marathon or Africa's largest race. That's correct. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, we, we're targeting 29,000 entrants. Um, over those two those two events, so we we have the, the event like I said in the south has grown. I think um, in in nineteen when was it in nineteen ninety eight uh, we introduced the, the half marathon, but at that stage already the ultra marathon was attracting just shy of ten thousand participants. Wow! And and in, in terms of international runners, I mean I mean what what kind of a percentage do you think? Um, I'm sure you know the exact number, but obviously I mean it's a huge appeal for international runners to come down and do do the race. It's, it's also yeah. it's also one of the most beautiful races in the world. So yeah, no, no, I think it, it is um, um, a very a very strong tourist attractor. Um, um, the event. I think in the past the percentages the percentage of, of international participants um, was quite was quite high. I think obviously with with, with the recent past um, and and also with COVID and things changing and internationally things changing and money being a bit a bit tight. Sure. We, we we have seen our international um, participants decrease a little bit um, for for this year's event. So so. From the we we managed to to to, to get large uh, large numbers and to, to almost fill up the event from our local um, the local contingent, be it the, the Catonians and, and sure. the rest of the country. But uh, but yeah, but the nationals we do have um, a, a large percentage of them. But obviously the numbers for this year are a little bit lower than they were previous years. 
Brilliant. And uh, am I correct in saying that it has recently been awarded the, the gold label status from the IAU? Can you run us a little bit through what that actually means? Why is it so significant? And what does it actually do for SA as a whole to have this type of caliber of ultra marathon? Um, yeah, that is a status that is um, that is afford, like I said, yeah, afforded to to an ultramarathon. But basically, you need to apply for these for, for this kind of accreditation. From an ultramarathon point of view, this is the, the highest label, the labeling status that you can receive for an ultramarathon. That being the gold status. So your your event is scrutinized to to looking at how how well it has been organized. Obviously, the measurement of your event has to comply with um, with World Athletics course measurement uh, uh, criteria. So there's very specific equipment that needs to be used to measure your event. They look at the elite athletes who, who are attracted or willing to come and run your, your race. They look at the, the times that these guys run. Because obviously, the, the manner in which you organize your event at the end of the day will impact on the performances of the of these elite athletes and and all of these are being taken into consideration and and all, all things being equal and if and if you you pass the necessary test you are then given this um, gold label status and uh, what 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 that basically does for you is, is that your your event you know, the times that are, are running your event is recognized on an, on an, on an international standard. You know, if there's a personal best from an athlete, if it's a a, a, a a world record that gets run, it is recognized because you you have this labeling yes. status. And one of the knock-on effects of it, as you you asked, now what ben, what benefit does that have for for, for South Africa and for, for other events in South Africa? Is that if, for example, you look at the uh, the ultra marathon, in order to participate in 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 the ultra marathon in the 56, there's a qualification criteria. Yeah. Um, you, you need to be able to run a, a standard marathon in under five hours to qualify for that event. And if your, if, if your event, our event, which has, which has this gold label status, has to measure up to a certain criteria, um, autom- automatically when you look at your qualifying events, you, you apply that same standard um, to those events. They need to be properly um, measured. They need to comply with standards yeah, sure. set by your national body, by the international body. So you, you've got that trickle-down effect, which, which at the end of the day benefits your entire road running community. Sure. And, and Hilton, can you can you tell us about some of the um, elite runners that are going to be um, lining up at the start of this year's 56 and 21 kilometer? Because obviously, I think that is something that's of interest to a lot of people. Are there any you know big names that we haven't seen in the past? Or, or can you can you mention a few of the people that we can look forward to to seeing on the start line? Uh, well, um, unfortunately, at the moment, I can't give you any of those names. We've just recently, um, the, the way our entry system works is, is that we've just recently opened the entries for our elite athletes. Okay. So we, so we have targeted all the, the elites who participated in 2022, specifically the ones who, um, um, who won, uh, specifically um, Gerda, who yes. um, broke the ladies' world record. So, so we have put out feelers to all of these, these these runners to come to come back and to participate again. I think so far there is an interest that they, that they will come back, but 
vaccine. And unfortunately, at the moment, I can't confirm names and say okay. these are the people who are definitely coming back. We'll, we'll, um, we'll have to keep an eye on. We, we were trying our luck there. It's, yeah. uh, it's all okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're talking about this this incredible standard of uh, racing that you guys have created there at the Total Sports Two Oceans. I mean. What goes into organizing this? I mean, do you guys have a, a full-on committee? I mean, when does the planning for the next year's race start? Uh, can you give us a little bit of insight onto that? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's um, yeah, as you mentioned, it is, it is a big, so it's a mammoth task putting together an event of this nature. Um, and especially since, since you, you've got the 56, which in itself is a lot of work, and then you've got the half marathon as well, and there, there are some other sideline events that, that, that take place um, also. So effectively, like, you know, back in the day, this was an event that was organized by, by the South Carriers Running Club. I mean, it started out. Eventually, the, the, as the race grew, it got to the point where a, a local running club could no longer organize or be responsible for organizing the event. And a special events company called the Two Oceans Marathon NPC was set up to organize um, the event. And, and this is the only event that this organization manages. So we've got uh, office staff that are employed on a full-time basis to manage and to do whatever needs to be done to put the event together. And it's not, um, yeah, it's not one of those events that you can quickly throw together over a period of two months. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you could say effectively our planning for the next event starts when um, the day after the, the current event is done. Mm. You know, because you, you're looking at what you did um, what went right for the, for, for, for the particular year, what went wrong and needs to be improved on. You're, there, there, there's a permitting process. We need to, there are permits that need to be applied for. These documents need to be with, um, with those bodies, um, with the city of Cape Town and so on. It needs to be with them by the end of October. So the process to plan and get those documents in already start in, in August. So there's a very little... Um, um, time we, 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 we the opposites around and can say, okay, we can put our feet on the table for a couple of months and do nothing. It is, uh, unfortunately, yeah. it's a luxury we don't have. Um, but yeah, it is a, it is a year-round planning process wow. and you're always looking at different ways to improve the event going into the next year and how you can make it those things happen and i think i mean just i mean speaking on on behalf of myself and nick i mean i think i think runners you know always just rock up to a race and and see it you know all slapped slapped together and i don't think we understand you know what goes behind organizing something like this and i think i mean i would just like to say thank you because it's such an amazing race it, it really it it brings the entire running community of south africa together it's i mean i mean the the the, the standards that you guys set are just impeccable yeah. you know I mean, I mean, there's tons of races in South Africa. We know that, but this is this is truly one that's you know a bucket list item that people travel all across the world to take part in, and for us to have it on our doorstep in South Africa and just to have it you know so well managed is is a real treat. So I did just think from from my side and and from Nick's side, we just want to say thank you to you, you know, for putting together such an amazing event. Yeah, no, no, it's it's, it's our pleasure, and and that is you know that is the thing with with the team that I, that I've got working for me is that. It's not about um, how much money is generated or what kind of salaries the guys um, earn or don't earn. Our, our aim is, is to give the runners the best possible experience that they can have on the day. Yes, an extremely large amount of work goes into putting, putting together what the running experiences on, on the day from, from a logistics point of view, from yeah. a safety point of view, all of those things. But the biggest reward is 
when you when you when as as the the, the workers, so to say, you are you you are on the finish at the finish area at, at UCT, and you're watching these runners running down the finish straight, and you're seeing that that look of achievement, sure. yeah. you know, on, on their face, knowing that I've just conquered two mountains running a 56 kilometer running 56 kilometers, or I've just run over a Weinberg Hill and up Southern Cross to complete my, my very first 21 kilometer event. And to see that, that look on the runner's face, I think that is what brings joy to, to those of us who organize this event. Yeah. And that is why we keep coming back and keep doing it, you know, so... Oh, well, why, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. it's uh, such a fantastic thing. But I mean, is, am I correct in saying that historically the two oceans has always been held on Easter weekend? And obviously this year that is not the case. Is th Was there a particular reason in that decision-making or is it just the way the, the year's calendar planned right. out? Great question. Yeah, look, initially in, when, when the race started way back in 1970, it was, it was in May. Then, like a couple of years later, it moved to the Easter weekend, and that became the traditional weekend for the event. Um, as the event has grown over the years, it has become necessary necessary for us to split the event. In uh, um, well, obviously, in 1998, we brought in the half marathon, and that basically um, doubled up the number of participants that we could have in the event. And as the event has now grown, I mean, we, if, you, if you look, for example, at the numbers that we are targeting for this year, it's, it's 29,000 runners in total. And, with, and the event traditionally used to be held on one day. So you had the half marathon going off first. <laughs> Logistically. And then you had the ultra marathon going off um, um, half an hour or so later. So, and, and now and you, you're getting to the same finish venue and now you're getting there with 25, 29,000 participants so, in an event, which has its own logistical issues. And the way forward for us was to split the event onto two days. So you had your ultra on one day and the and the half marathon on another day, um, which was something that we, we which we, we trialed in twenty twenty two because of COVID. Mm. It was it was it was it has always been the thinking at board level to do that, but in twenty twenty two COVID forced us to to try it out and see what happened. It was successful as a two as a two day scenario. Um, the only issue with, with that is that trying to do a two-day scenario on Easter weekend with its own logistical nightmare. So you, you've got a two-day um, event of our um, of nature happening on that day. You've got it's the Easter weekend, uh, which, which is a holiday weekend, uh, it's a religious weekend, all of, the, all of those kind of things happening. So the two-day scenario on Easter weekend just wasn't helping with sense. all of those things, and it became necessary for us to to rethink and to look at taking it off the Easter weekend onto a weekend where the city's resources aren't overtaxed because of us doing an event over two days amongst a lot of other um, um, issues that we experienced splitting it over two days. And hence, the event now finds itself on the 15th and 16th of April this year, which is the week the weekend after Easter. And for this year, what we've done is, as opposed to in 2022, where we had, where we had the ultra on the Sunday, we now we've now moved the ultra to the Saturday, yes, and we've got um, on the Sunday. And and what's the reasoning behind that? Because obviously you mentioned uh, that last year was the, or was the twenty one, then the fifty six, and and that seemed quite nice because then you know the twenty one k runners got quite a lot of support. You know the fifty six k runners were there on route supporting it, and it was quite nice to get the twenty one k runners, you know, a bit, a bit more support. But now flipping it around. 
Um, I think, again, it's one of those organizational things and it's got to do with resource planning um, um, with regard to our, our other stakeholders. Yes. Uh, that the, the Saturday on the out, uh, the outro on the Saturday, um, just from, from, the, from a, an organizational point of view, tends to, well, it just seems to work easier. It'll work easier for us to swing it that way. Yeah. Um, also, um, you know, uh, I think uh, it's become one of those traditions um, that uh, the, the outro always happened on on a Saturday, and I think, you know, there is, there is a lot of tradition in, in the event, and uh, I think when, when one moves forward and one uh, um, redevelops an event, you lose some of the uh, tradition of the event, and I think maybe go taking the outro back onto the Saturday, at least keep some yeah. of the event around. Well, personally, I'm quite grateful that yeah, the two events well. are split as well, because that way I get to support my wife on one day and she gets to support me. So we don't have to bring a spare seconder along with uh, us to Cape Town. I'm grateful for the 56 is on the Saturday, so I can recover on the Sunday. But having the 56 on, on the Sunday and then going back to work on the Monday is just terrible. Absolutely terrible. And also it's an extra day for Davey to stress about uh, this 56k run. So I think it's probably a better a better yeah. thing for him. Um, you mentioned uh, that obviously the Two Oceans uh, Foundation is a non-profit organization. What foundations do you guys support through this race? Look, we, yeah, we, we've got, um, as part of our organization, we, we've got what is known as TOMI. It is, our, it is the, 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 the side of our organization that looks into, into the charities, looks into how we can support charitable organizations in, in the Western Cape. With the, with the, in other words, so, so that, um, as I said, we, we're not here to make lots of money for, for the organization or lots of money for certain individuals or for for, for investors, um, if you want to use that term, um, it is about the, the any surpluses that we have being plowed back into into the community, into um, your your other um, um, needy run, um, running clubs or running programs that require funding, into um, environmental programs that need funding. Our event goes through an extremely scenic um, area, and and it takes to keep it looking that way and to keep things wow. um, looking as pristine um, as it does. So the, the, those are the, the areas that we, that we look at and that is where we, we, are, uh, we assist the charities that are involved uh, in, that, in that, that area, the areas in that arena. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you guys are doing just a fantastic job from mm. from the way the race is organized, from what the participants get from being there on the weekend, mm. even something simple like, I mean, last year I wasn't in Cape Town, but just following it through the race day broadcasting that you guys are doing, it's it's all just a fantastic event all around. And as you say, it's, it's a, almost a, it's a festival of running for that weekend. Yeah. To give our listeners a bit of an idea, especially the guys running, for yourself, what is what does that what does race day look like? Because I mean, when we're hurting up Constantia Nick, yeah. um, what what is Hilton doing? <laughs> no, Hilton is wishing he was hurting with you up Constantia. <laughs> <laughs> you can join us though. Still, I mean, come on, I'm sure you can organise yourself an entry. <laughs> you know, no, someone. No, no, as you mentioned, no, you 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 want to make sure that everything is running smoothly on the day. You want to make sure that that the runners have are able to, to, to run the route without any, um, without any safety issues. You want to make sure that, number one, the runner's having a, a good time on the event, is enjoying the run, is enough um, refreshment stations and enough refreshment practice stations to keep him hydrated and 
fed during the event. Um, you want for there to be an atmosphere along the route that, that makes him feel that um, he's, he's participating in, in a world-class event and he wants to come back to this um, to this event. Um, but how, but how so, do you manage, you know, it's a 56-kilometer route. So how do you ensure that there's an atmosphere all 56 kilometers, which there is, by the way, like I've personally yeah. seen that. Um, but but do, do you not get stressed? I mean, do you just have to sure, at some point stressful. just like let go and say, I've done all that I can do and now it's it's up to yeah. everybody yeah. else? It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of planning. Yeah. There's a lot of planning that goes into it. Every little bit has to be is, is planned and set up. And you, you, you look at you use the example you've got. You've got a water point or a water station every three to four kilometers. Yeah. So you 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 set these things up in such a way that you you know there's going to be atmosphere created by these water stations. You've got marshals that need to be along all the way along the route, guiding the athletes, making sure that athletes and cars stay um, apart, and. All, all of those are contributors to that atmosphere that you that you create on the road. Um, if you if you if your your workers, the the guys who are busy in your water station pouring the water, handing out cups, your marshals who are guiding need to be um, um, sh- you know, showing forth, uh, smiling, singing, um, uh, uh, wishing the athletes well, encouraging um, all of this. Ad. So so all of that is planned and as. Like I said, that is why it takes 12 months to plan this thing because you're getting together all of these people, you're making sure you've got the right kind of people on the event, and there's organizing entertainment that goes with it at certain yes. buy points um, on the route. All of which, to, to, like I said, you, you, you've got elite athletes, well, the elite guys, they just run because they want to get done quickly. Yeah. But the rest of us who are at the back, we need some entertainment to keep us on this route and to get us through to the end. You know? 100%. And um, talk to me about, like, in your opinion, you know, Obviously, you, you can put the water points and everything, and those will always be there. But the on-the-day support of just people in Cape Town coming onto the route, cheering for those runners, I mean, that's something that you can't organize. And, and would you say that um, South African supporters, you know, obviously love the race and love showing up, and they love being part of that as- atmosphere, you know, themselves, even if they aren't supporting a runner? I know people that go and just stand there and, you know, stand on the side of the road and clap. And that's something that you can't guarantee will be there every single year but it is there and I think it's just I think it's just a tribute to you know that South African spirit that we have and, and the, the the desire that we all have for this race to be successful yeah I think I think that it, it's the race has grown to that to that stage to that point where uh, as you said you people make a point of coming up yeah. um, to, to, to see the event and, and they are prepared to drive to wherever to, to be able to support and if they know, like you said, either that it would be family of the runner making their way to some point in order to, to support the, the, the runner going before he goes up Chapman's Peak, or it could just be the residents in that in that area who actually um, come out and just enjoy what is happening um, on the route on the day. But I think, but as as you mentioned, I think as um, us Captonians, we we love this kind of thing and we prepare to go out and support come rain or come shine. We'll be standing on the road. I'm clapping and supporting a runner who is who's coming through, and and you know I think that is what what keeps bringing the the runners back to come and do this event, and and I think that's one of the things that makes it we can get the kind of participant numbers that we have. It's just that atmosphere exactly. that is created yeah. along the route. So you you know that 
you may be the last runner on the route, but you are made to feel as if you were going to win this thing. Well, it's it. I mean, after this conversation with you, Hilton, it's easy to see why yeah. uh, th- this race is what it has yeah, become. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, man, just congratulations to you and and all the support team that you have behind you. I just want to close off this conversation by just offering some advice for our listeners or participants that are going to be taking part in this race. What's, what are, what, what's Hilton's what, top tips? What are some of your top tips? Um, look, my, my top tip would always be, number one, be prepared for whichever event you, you, you've entered. You know, be at the 21 or be at the 56, make sure that you, that you get your training done and that you are ready, you are ready for the event um, on race day. Um, for, for, for me also, one of the big things is know what your limitations are for, for that day. Um, you, you, you know, um, if, if, I, if I was training for the event for, for the 56 now, I'd have an idea of this. I, I want to run six hour, uh, uh, the, the, I would like to run a six-hour time or a sub-six-hour time. Sure. Things change closer to the event depending on your training um, and how well or not well that went. And on the day, um, read your, read, listen to what your body is saying and, and, run, and run to that if, if you want to complete the event. I think a lot of people miss it because they... They, they, they possibly go in um, with a higher expectation than what um, they are capable of on that day and know the event, especially this one. Know the event and know the route. If you take the outer, your first 28 kilometers is, is, is relatively flat. Mm. Okay, you, you're going to run to Pishuk, which is about 21 k's. Then it's a gradual climb until you get to Nwerthu. And then you hit Chapman's Peak. And then you're going to do some serious climbing to the top of that. You're going to come down Chapman's Peak, which, which can, and, and this, I think this is one of the areas where people make some big mistakes. Um, they use the downhill of Chapman's Peak to catch up time. That is never a good idea. <laughs> We've heard um, that a few times. <laughs> you may find yourself hurting when you come into Hout Bay. Um, and you need to remember, you need to climb Constantia Nick when you're done going through Hout Bay and that last little bit of coming to the end. And also just a reminder that last two and a half, three Ks on, on Edinburgh Drive, they feel like you're running up Chapman's Peak when you get there at 53, at 53 kilometers. So know your route and, and, and keep some in the tank for, yeah. for at the end. But uh, again, run, run within yourself and what, what, how you are feeling on the day. I'd say the same for a participant in, in the 21. Again, you've got two big hills that you climb. Is you, 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 you start the 21K, You've run, you've run what two and a half, three k's, and you climb one the hill, which is just as dark. When you, maybe a little bit on the dark side when you get there, and you don't actually see the gradient. Yeah. Um, but you feel it when you get to the top if you pushed it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then sudden cross, okay, which is also which is which is quite a distance um, and can take a lot out of the legs. Um, and then you've got the camber on your way down road stride, which can do you in as well. So. Uh, do your training pro- properly. If you are in Cape Town, go and suss out the route and know exactly how things are, are, are working and run within yourself and make sure that you do whatever is, is required to be physically prepared for it. Sure. For, the, for the 56, make sure you're mentally prepared for it as well because um, once you hit 30 case, you're going to start asking yourself, why am I doing this? Yeah, that, that's, that's seriously solid advice there. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the know the route you know i think i think it's such a challenging route and i think anybody listening to this that's that's a really 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 golden nugget hilton 
thank you so so much for taking this time out today to give yeah. us all this fantastic insight i'm sure that this year's total sports two oceans is going to be a fantastic event yet again and we wish you all the best with the final preparation for what's what's coming up thank you so much Elton. thank you thank you very much thank you for listening to another episode of making a runner we hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show Don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform and remember to share with your running buddies. Follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running. We wish you a pleasant run wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.